What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Asian bitches done under the podcast about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diasporas in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show by Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you have enjoyed our episodes, please support us by giving us a five-star rating and get your friends on board to listen to us. Finally, we would love you to support this podcast by donating to our Buy Me a Coffee program. Your wonderful support and donations will help us to continue creating the platform for diversity and inclusivity. Make sure you check out the episode show notes for any collaborations we're working with to promote. Thanks again, and we hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hey, y'all! This is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian bitches down under, coming you to you live from a very grey and uh, sprinkly and rainy Sydney Friday. Friday, and have you got the news about Queen's passing this morning? <gasps> I are you serious? Are you serious that you didn't know? Do I? I didn't know. <laughs> oh my god, the Queen died. Yeah. She wow. passed away. I only saw the news this morning when I got finished my yoga. I was like scrolling through my news. phone. Okay. I was looking at the Instagram, and there uh-huh. was a there was like a this clip about people interviewing random people on the street, asking uh-huh. their thoughts about Queen's death. And I was like, uh-huh. I was thinking, is this a hoax? Because you yeah, right. often get like your first reaction is that, oh, this is kind of like a prank people play on each other. Yeah. And then moments later, I open my news app and there's like tributes of Queen Elizabeth II yeah. passed yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, 96 years old. And I was thinking, oh, 96 years old, that's a very decent age to pass away, yeah. I guess. Uh-huh. I mean, I uh-huh. don't want to live that yeah. long. Yeah. It's yeah, so yeah. exhausting. It's it, exhausting. Oh, my God. Now. Honestly, but yeah. Yeah, I pay my tribute having a cup of tea and marmalade sandwich. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I, I'm, I'm with uh, Lydia Thorpe, who you know is uh, awful. You know, calling the Queen a colonizer. Yes. So, yeah, uh, I have different sort of opinions flooding into my social media as well. Yeah, you just get um, opposite ends of the spectrum when you see this kind of news and there will be a lot of discussion oh, about yeah. Republic for Australia again, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's huge news. Well, you know yeah. how I feel about the news. I just like, you know, run away from it when I yeah, don't you need don't to care. look at it. <laughs> oh my God, really, yeah. But that's huge news. Wow. It okay. is a huge news. Well, yeah. Um, huge only in the sense that she is such a massive figure in the world. I guess massive figure to, to Australians or anyone in the Commonwealth, right? Yeah. Under the British Empire. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that I'm not very happy about is that yeah. because of her death, the parliament is suspended for 15 days. Does that mean 15 all the... 15 poli- days? Yeah. Politicians That's don't have long. to work for two weeks. I don't know. Well, what's the like, reason behind that? Just, oh, it's... Paying tributes to her by stop work by by like stop by working stop working. for, <laughs> for like, two what? weeks. Which other and public the rest sector? Of the people in the country yeah, which other work? public sector um, uh, has that um, agency to do that? I know. It's weird. Ugh. Okay, well now that I've sufficiently um, exhibited to my to our listeners how little I am all over the news, <laughs> um, onto some uh, cultural consumption things. <laughs> 
Um, Helen, why don't you give us a start with what you've been reading or watching this week? Yeah, um, so last weekend we found this Indian movie. I believe it was on Prime Amazon. Um, we're just trying to find some movies that we can watch with our daughter, at least yeah. once or twice a week. Yeah. And it's very difficult. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's just very difficult because the because movie is, she, that, is it because she's at an awkward age range? She's nine, right? Yeah, she's nine, and sometimes the movies that she pick is just to me it's boring. I don't want to watch cartoon all the time, mm. and she still is like what you said, an awkward age that is it appropriate for her to watch certain movies? And you think about it. Um, there are scenes that she doesn't want to see as well. She's like, oh, I don't want to watch anything romantic. I don't want to watch anything yeah. that's overly sci-fi yeah. or um, anything that's – anything over M is definitely not for her. Yeah, yeah. But then when she was younger, she watched Law of the Rings with us. So right. Yeah, yeah well, anyway, that's kind of different. Yeah, because she was at the age that she couldn't discern <laughs> – Right. Yeah, I feel like um, nine is an awkward age because it's like she's not quite a kid, like a baby toddler, Mm, like a young mm. child, right? So she can't watch anything kind of kiddish. And yet she's also not a tween yet, not exactly a tween. And so it's like, um, it's really awkward, yeah. She's kind of like coming into the space of about to enter pre-pubescent age Mm -hmm. um, and also trying to leave behind like more kiddish stuff. It's, yeah, I can't imagine how kind of... Challenging it is to find something to that watch you guys with her age, yeah. and also you as you know as a girl, I want her to watch something that's pro feminist. Pro feminist, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, just, you know, I was thinking because like a few weeks ago, you said that you guys had watched Mrs. Doubtfire, which I thought yes. was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like these days we don't have a lot of those movies. I know. That are like family comedy slash dramas. Uh-huh. Um, it's either too childish, or is it, or it's very extreme to the point it's either very very deep in horror yeah or suspense which is yeah. another movie that i'll be talking about a bit later okay um yeah, yeah so we um came across with this indian movie called shakuntala Devi. um it's uh almost like a memoir of shakuntala Devi's life she's a mathematician genius from a rural village in india so it really portrays about how she traveled to london started her career as a performer on stage talking about math and her struggles with her intimate relationships the man she loved decided to leave leave her because those men see her as um not so much as a property but when she becomes successful they feel like she doesn't need them anymore Mm. so the man tends to leave her because she becomes I don't know. I, I I feel I have a feeling that it still happens today that once a woman is more successful, the men have some sort of insecurity and they would leave her. So it started with a Spanish lover who kind of took interest in assisting her career to try to polish polish her. Mm. You know, coming from India, some sort of I don't know if so much as a white supremacist ideology trying to improve her. Um, speech and kind of taught her how she could speak more eloquently and introduce her into a more high status network Mm. and then the movie continues when she has her own child a daughter and also the struggle of being a mother um, trying to do something she always loved like 
performing to talk about math on stage and also、mm. taking care of her child. Yeah, and this is a Bollywood film. It's a Bollywood film. Yeah, right. I just feel like she's a very extraordinary, eccentric person who had a great contribution in math, and also, she also was a writer who wrote, who published a book on homosexual. Who is just trying? Is to, this the? Who is this? Are you talking about the character or the, the character? The character.、Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, the character is a real person. Oh, so I can tell the right. She's a real person. So right, she's like right, a、okay. biography movie、oh, about her. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. We found this movie very interesting. Is because for some reason my daughter and I love watching mother daughter sort of film. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and she、that's、always very cute. Like it, it's something that we try to pick as、um, parent and child, and we will examine. Other people's、uh, parent and child relationship, yeah, and we talk、yeah. about it as well. Yeah, yeah. So、um, I think it started during the pandemic when we start watching. When we first start watching Princess Kaguya, I ask her questions about, "Oh, is that the right thing for the mom to do, or do you think that was the right way for the daughter to be behave towards、mm. the mom?" And we kind of expand our conversation from there, and it's a、mm. right, really nice thing to do because. I don't feel like we had this sort of connection with our mum, and、yeah. I just feel really privileged that I have this sort of the bond with my daughter now because she's quite talkative. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, she's <It's> great. <laughs> she's so chatty, and she just says what she wants to say, and it's nice、yeah. for her to get that kind of like emotional feeling as well. Like I never really got that with our mum. Yeah. yeah. It's、That's really、lovely. nice.、Yeah. That's so lovely. Well,、um, I have, I have to say, I have. I'll admit, this week we have kind of been. I haven't really been watching anything.、Um, I'm kind of looking forward to the Netflix、uh, rom com that just dropped sometime in the past week called、mm-hmm. Love in the Villa. I think it's what it's called,、oh, and it's、yes. kind of one of those destination rom coms that I absolutely love. That is like very Netflix Netflix esque. I saw the trailer. Yeah, I saw the、yeah. trailer, and it kind of was like、uh, I really didn't really. I really like the、um, Cat Graham is the actress. She's the black actress、mm-hmm. who was also in another one of those destination rom coms that I love. Um, Love on the Island or something like that.、Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas you, drop. Something you know about destination drop. Yeah, the trailer、and、reminds me of the other movie that was set in Verona.、Old. No, the holiday. The、um, holiday、uh, with Jack, Jack Black. Black.、Yeah. I hate that movie so much. <laughs> Uh, Jude Law, Cameron Jude Diaz, and、yeah. Kate Winslet—that is the worst casting in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> Honestly, who thought that casting Jack Black and Kate Winslet was a good idea? I don't understand why it's a cult classic. It is so bad. I fucking hate that movie. Also, I just hate Jude Law. I just think he has—he's got、liking. nothing. He's a wet blanket.、Um, I—I—there's I, well, Jack Black. I don't mind Kate Winslet. I don't mind. Don't re- I'm not a big fan of、um, Cameron Diaz. Yeah, but, same.、Um, not me. But um, together. It's just bad juju. It's just so、bad、funny.、Juju. It's like, so ugh, I hate it. I, I just, don't know、yeah. where they see the chemistry between those. I know it's so bad. Actors, But anyway, actors,、yeah. I think this movie.、Um, It's set in Verona.、Um, this teacher,、um, I'm gathering this from the trailer, obviously. But the teacher is a, a school teacher obsessed with、um, Romeo and Juliet, and then she goes, and then, you know, there's a kerfuffle. She has to share her Airbnb with this hot, tall English guy. Boo hoo! Everyone's nightmare,、um, and then they end up falling in love. So, like、um, from the trailer, I'm like, first of all,、um, I always judge these rom coms by whether or not I find the male lead attractive. Okay. I, I don't find this guy attractive at all. 
Like I, do, I, I don't have anything for British men. First of all, I mm-hmm. just got, they got nothing on me, um, and uh, he's just I don't know. He just doesn't do it for me. He just doesn't do it for me. Um, so that a little bit, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch it if I'm not really invested in you know the this guy. But I think I I'd probably end up will watch I, it. I probably will watch yeah, it just for entertainment. You know, I, I like I like I like shitty rom coms. <laughs> And I do love the woman in there. I do love the cat Graham. She's very, very beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So she might be able to um, sustain my attention for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of um, – it reminds me of the movie that was also set in Verona a few years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, starring uh, Amanda Siegfried. I think it was called um, Letters to Juliet or something like that. Do you, did you ever oh, watch okay. that? It was about her. She's like uh, – she's about to be engaged to – uh Garcia, my whatever that guy's name is the hot spanish dude or colombian i actually don't know anyway um and uh he um he's like a chef and then so he's busy doing stuff and she goes and volunteers reading letters to like you know in verona there's like a wall with like mm. bunch with love letters you can put on like love letters to your past loves or something mm-hmm. and she starts reading them and writing back to this old um letter that she finds and then she ends up falling in love with the guy uh the grandson of the woman <laughs> played okay. by who is it i think it's like um Gwyneth paltrow's mum no vanessa redgrave yeah vanessa mm-hmm. redgrave plays the uh, our grandmother um, but uh, but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, this week, I can't report anything interesting, so I'm not going to report it in terms of like watching, other than like curb, curb your enthusiasm, uh, and the producers, which is like we're on to the third, I think third or fourth season where um, Larry is um, uh, playing Max Bialystaff, which is the uh, the main titular, the main character of the producers. Do you know much about musicals, Helen? Uh, the last musical that I watched was. What's that? Uh, Andy Garfield. Tick, tick, boom. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so I love that. I love that so much. A little much. while you know, ago, so um, I haven't I, watched. I have to say, I think for most of my life, I have been a bit allergic to musicals because they're very um, gregarious and in your face. Well, they and have. They have. And to be, yeah, I know yeah. the nature of it is inherently like that. And I remember just, I think, um, when I was in high school and all through uni, theater, mm-hmm. musical theater people just pissed me off so much. They're so freaking extroverts and they're they're loud. Yeah, and extroverted people just freaking like make me want to shrink into myself. Just they're so so strangely optimistic all the time. They're absolutely beautiful people. Like they're very very nice and they're genuinely over the top. But they're just oh too much. Yeah. So anyway, um, those reasons I've like I don't know in my life I haven't been drawn to musicals. But every time I get into one, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed for like a week. So this last week, my partner mm. and I have just been singing all the tunes from the producers. Oh, okay. And it's been very fun, I have to say. It's a, it's like a really, really good um, – I mean, you know, it was like written several decades ago and it obviously has problematic female tropes. Um, like, you know, I don't even have to go into it. But but the music is um really addictive, Mm-hmm. And, like, that is the nature of musicals. Like, I was just telling him, like, I love how kind of algorithmic musicals are. There's always, like, you know, yeah, the, I don't know the terminology. But, yeah, like, there's tune. the overture. Yeah. There's, like, the song that introduces the characters. There's a song where the two lovers get together. There's a song where the character has his, like, turning point. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, the fanfare at the end. Like, it's so predictable. But, like, that's that's the beauty of musicals as well mm-hmm. um yeah very do you true. have a favorite musical is it are um, you gonna say matilda 
Well, Matilda oh. is one of my favorite. I don't I've think I've got. Um, because Matilda means so much as a, for me as a child and also as a mom. I think yeah, there's right, so right. many layers. Um, so many layers that when you hear the the music, the lyrics. Um, Tim Mitchell just does a wonderful job writing yeah. lyrics, and especially He's a genius, the, the the main song "When I Grow Up." He just reflects so much. <laughs> Starting to remember how um, all three of us, because I went to watch it when a couple of years ago with two of my friends and their kids, and all the moms were crying at the end. Yeah. Um, well, um, I think my favorite musical. Uh, is something that's like actually not very well known. It's called The Last Five Years. Um, and I only heard about it when the movie came out of um, starring Anna Kendrick um, a few years ago. Um, and so I've never seen the Broadway, you know, rendition of this. But you but saw, a, is that in the movie as well? Yeah, yeah, they turned it into a movie, um, The Last Five Years. And it's really good. It's like super catchy. It's not very well known. Um uh, as for like the the major uh, musicals, like I don't know, Cats or Mary Poppins or um, Les Mis, uh, I don't think I'm to like, do with Disney. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm like a massive fan of any of those. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, musicals are, are so. Sing- I mean, they're, they're inherently you know sing singing tunes, you know singing narratives. So yeah, they're, they're so catchy. Um, yeah. So good, so good, and um, you know, late, lately there've been a, a couple of you know excellent Disney kid versions, like obviously Frozen, Shrek. Is Shrek considered a musical? I, I think they they adapted into a musical, but I I've, oh, okay. I have no oh, idea. Oh yeah, I went to see that make... with Lisa. Oh, did it was you? Hilarious! It was hilarious. <laughs> but I'm is there any other saw... catchy tunes? I can't imagine. Like was there wasn't any catchy uh, tunes the from the movie. The one is probably the da 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 Coco, another good uh, one. Oh, yeah. You know, if you talk about, Pixar like, Pixar's, yeah, Pixar movies. The Encanto, the Encanto, the opening tune of Encanto is way, way too hectic. She's, like, doing the exposition in two minutes, and it's, like, without captions, you cannot understand anything she's saying. Oh, uh, yeah, because she crazy. spoke. Yeah, yeah she, just like, she just, like, introduces the entire family in two minutes and just, like, freaking speeds through the entire family's superpowers. It's... You need captions to watch Encanto. Well, our brother loves the um, Jessica song. The oh, yeah, my, that's my favorite song as well. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, really? That's your yeah. favorite song? Okay, yeah. The one about the oldest daughter. Yeah, oldest. Under the relate. pressure. <laughs> Helen relates as the whole eldest daughter of five people. And how funny people. is that? My daughter loves that song because there's a um, unicorn, unicorn oh, donkey. Yeah. <laughs> love that yeah okay. she said that song is so nice because there's a very strong part and then towards Vulnerable the crescendo that there's it softens yeah 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 it's really nice how it kind of transitions to that softness at the end yeah
Uh, how about you, Helen? You've been watching The Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, Part Two. You know, yeah. um, I yeah, I love this movie. Go go ahead, talk about it. Um, it's I I don't know where to start. I just thought that it was going to be a movie that set a little bit later, maybe a couple of months or years after the end of the first movie,、mm. but mm. it's actually. The immediate, yeah, exactly.、Um, continuing, continuing of the end from the first movie where she just had the baby and yeah, her partner. I don't even know the name. Lee, John Krasinski, played by yeah John Krasinski, who is also the director of the second one. Yes, and how on earth did John Krasinski go from a beta male to an <laughs> alpha male? I will always wonder. But continue. Yeah. There's just so much things I don't know where to start. But、um, so we follow from the end of first movie that、um, their place, their sentry, sent their, their shelter is being attacked, and now they need to escape. And Emily Blunt's、um, character needs to take all her three kids, a new baby, which、yeah. is still to this day. I don't know where that the writer came up with the idea of having a baby in such. It's like that kind of situation, and Helen, I believe you and I have spoken about this briefly in the past. Maybe you know, many, yeah, many episodes ago, we yeah, did. Yeah,、um, we mentioned、um, Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris's fantastic episode on still processing、mm-hmm. um, about this very movie, about how it's 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 a very white thing、Centric. that they did. Yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. just、um, only a white family would do that. They said that.、Mm. They said that.、Um, In a world where you cannot、um, make a sound, and if you do,、um, you you literally die. The、mm. fact that、um, they decide to conceive a baby in this kind of world, he, they said it reflected the kind of white、um, sense of arrogance, and you know that like they think they can they can trump whatever the world. Bring、uh, like fights, fights. fights. Yeah, They, like、uh-huh. as in they ah、uh, uh, they articulate way more you know eloquently than than I am currently doing. But they say something like um it is the most like um um aggressively white thing to do that、mm. um and arrogant to the fact that you think that you can overcome um literally death um by by like having this child and thinking you can. You can、uh, you can bring it bring it some sort of life into this world.、Mm-hmm. I do have a sense that it's got like a bit of Christian reality. Yeah, well, you know, biblical. Yeah, of course, because he he re- he、um, sacrifices his life at the end、mm, of、yeah. the first one to、yeah. um, save his family. Yeah. So the second, so part two follows the Emily Blunt with her three kids trying to find a place to stay, and they encounter.、Um, This guy who was Killian Murphy、out. is it Killian Murphy? I don't know yeah, his name. Yeah, it's Killian Murphy who was a friend of theirs. Yeah, and he's trying to tell them that no, you can't stay here. I've lost all my family. I don't have the ability to look after you. But eventually, he's to take them in because they have no way else to go. And the eldest daughter is still trying to find, you know, trying to kind of solve this puzzle from first movie. There has been like a radio frequency playing over under the、mm. sea, and she's trying、mm. to figure out who who was、uh, sending that message through、yeah. the radio frequency. So this young daughter, she's deaf, by the way. Yeah, and she's played by a real deaf act actor. I think she's the she she's actually the the best. best. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, the best actor in in、yeah. this movie. Yeah. yeah, the little boy's kind of annoying. Hey. Yeah, I think. <laughs> 
he's. I think he's in the Undoing. He's the son in the Undoing. Did you ever mm. see the Undoing? No, I haven't seen Undoing. Oh, okay, yeah. but yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, and then they finally found uh, this place on which an is island. On an island, you know, it, it took them like kind of risk their own life and also you know the lives of the other kids to reach that place, uh, running through monster infested <laughs> places. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, they actually attracted those oh, spoilers for everyone. Or if you haven't watched it, you know, stop listening for the next 30 seconds. You attracted the monsters onto that island. But um, she found a radio station, which um, she's trying to send out this frequency from her hearing aid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is supposedly to be one of the sound that can... Kill the monsters. Kill, or at least, like, trying to stop them. Yeah, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it kind of annoys the monsters and weakens their ability to yeah. attack or something like that. But when I text you um, the moment that I was watching the movie, you say yeah. that, oh, yeah, I remember the part where the black man just had to fucking sacrifice yeah, of course. for the white characters. Black, black people always die for white I people know. in movies. Oh, my gosh. I was like, what? Is this still happening in 20-whatever, 2020? Like, yeah. what the they fuck? You just have to cast... A black character, almost as if like, yeah, we put a black character in there, but he's not gonna appear. Oh, but he's for gonna die. More than obviously. ten minutes, yeah. and then he dies. And then all, I think <laughs> also, out. also like an older woman is also like killed, and she's killed trying to protect them. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of another series. Mm. But yeah, I actually, um, almost fell asleep when did I was you? watching. Really? Yeah, because it was just it was so compelling. A, no, it was a part that was I was so tired by the, the end of Saturday night, and we watched first half um, on Saturday night. But I think towards where at the time the the girl was trying to, um, she ran out of a new shelter and she's trying to find the where the frequency was coming from. That part was just totally silent. Oh and yeah, two, that was. <laughs> I was just dozing off, and to that part where where she was in the train carriage and the flock of oh, birds yeah. flew through with yeah, that yeah. sound and both myself and my husband jumped so <laughs> where is that streaming by the way because you know just speaking to you now about I it makes think me it's watch apple it. tv oh yeah i don't have that i'm pretty sure that you can find it somewhere else okay yeah. well it makes me talking to you about it really makes me want to watch it mm. again yeah watch it again like for the entertainment purpose Okay. But if you want to watch something funny, I recommend Tammy, which is a twi- 2009 Melissa McCarthy comedy. It's just uh-huh. out of nowhere. I never heard uh-huh. of this movie. It's got a huge cast of Susan Sarandon played as Melissa's grandmother. <laughs> really? It's out of nowhere. I don't know how they cast. Oh my and there's gosh, I love that. Kathy Bates and Sandra Oh played a lesbian couple. Uh-huh. Great, um, great. It's a very... Um, typical trope of um, what we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, how in the last couple of years that um, there's a trend of stories of younger women or maybe or maybe older women having like a shitty life and they're like a mess. Mm. And this is probably very similar to that kind of trope. But Melissa McCarthy is so good. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. funny. Yeah. She made an appearance in uh, this current season we're watching of um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, okay. She's like, Larry's going to buy a baby doll, like a toy for a friend's baby shower. Oh, 
mm-hmm. and she's the store assistant. It is so good. Like she just lights up. She just lights up the camera. The camera yeah, loves her. Yeah, she does. The camera yeah. loves her. She's, she's so delightful. good. Yeah, I want to watch some of the more serious movie that she that she she made. Well, so. you know the one about the Starling, Starling. Yeah, Starling. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. It looks too depressing. If you say it's depressing, but it's also very close to reality. I think it's about a couple... Um, Who lose their baby. Yeah, going through the grief yeah. of losing a child. Yeah. 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 Is there anything you wanted to recommend before I jump into one piece of news gossip before we take a break? Uh, I'm currently reading Disorientation. Um, By Elaine Chow. Sh- uh, Chu. Chu. Yeah. yeah and I started so that and then never finished it. Um, I think it's so good and I'm yeah. almost finished it. I really want Amazing. to invite her to talk about her ideas of fetishization and um, get a face on the concept of those things that we've talked about mostly, you know, in mm. the past two years. Mm. Um, but I highly recommend disorientation for anyone who is looking for something fun and also very really learn about you know uh the aspects of very race politics yeah Mm. i think yeah she did a great job on that oh yeah especially in academia exactly yeah and i'm listening to lost dog by michelle de gretta but oh okay um do you like it it's a really award-winning book isn't it it's very poetic like i'm following the story but her her style of writing is beyond the my acceptance of poetic standards so some uh-huh. some parts i i don't get it oh, okay. but i'm following the story okay yeah. what's the story um so it's about this middle-aged or maybe slightly older man who is also in academia i think um his relationship with this asian woman who is an artist and also it jumps back and forth about his relationship with him trying to deal with his mom who's losing kind of losing her mind because she's older and also him losing his dog um, during one weekend at this, um, not writer's retreat, but somewhere that he stayed for the weekend to write his work. Mm. Yeah. Um, the only part that I can really felt resonated to her was about his relationship with his dog. But also, there's a part that I picked up that I found mm. very strange. Yeah. She wrote that... Um, when this male character was out looking for his dog who ran away, he had uh, he had a pocket full of raisins to try to find the dog and maybe give him some give the dog some raisins, you know, because the dog's been missing for like one or two days, it will be starving, mm. things like that. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, you never give dogs raisins or grapes or sultanas because they're toxic to the dogs. Really? Yeah, they are. So. That's weird. It's, it's very odd. You'd think that they would fact check that. Yeah, I wonder how old. I'm not quite sure. I didn't look up how how old is the, the well the, the, the book. book? Yeah. I feel like it's at least ten years old. Yeah, but it's one of her late first works. I think it might even be her first work. It just feels a bit little strange, you know. Yeah. it's almost saying that you. I, I don't know how to, what how what kind of compa- comparison that I can make, but. When I heard that part, because I was listening through Audible, yeah. I was like, okay, this is strange. Does, huh. does, the, does the author have a dog? Or well, I know personally yeah. she does. Yeah, but... She's you, a big dog never... lover. 
I think she lives in the inner west of Sydney now. Yeah, yeah. And like she writes Dallachill a lot of scenes. She writes a lot of scenes about the... She's very Night descriptive. Hill. She's yeah. very descriptive about the surroundings yeah. of inner, inner city. Yeah. I went to a bar class with her once. She was uh, going to the same Pilates bar class with me. Mm. And I, but, but then she stopped going. I don't know. Maybe it was because, you know, she found that I was too stalky her. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I literally was not stalky. I was like, oh, yeah, you're Michelle DeCresta. I love your work. And that was literally it. But perhaps that was enough for her to be like, mm, okay, I'm changing studios. <laughs> Don't want to be with a fan. What about um, you? What else have you been reading or nothing. listening? <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, no. Um, I've been uh, just reading, trying to finish Sayaka Maruta's, Maruta's Life Ceremony, okay. which, you know, yeah. I'm getting to the end of. But I feel like a lot of the stories are about veganism. Yeah, because a lot of it is about. Um, I think she's a vegan flesh. herself. Is she? I'm pretty sure she's a vegan herself. How do you be a vegan now. in Japan? Apparently, it's very hard. Well, it's almost like being a vegan. <laughs> it's like that book, a vegetarian. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. Hard, it's, it's something. One, yeah, someone should do some some uh, analysis or a feature article about vegetarianism and veganism in um, Asia. Asia. Yeah, there must be some sort of intersectional I mean, India, political India has a big you know, vegetarian slant population. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But North or East Asia will be very hard. Yeah. Not to eat yeah. Meat. Because like a lot of these stories in there are about like um humans eating humans. Mm. And like humans doing things to each other's bodies the way that we do to animals. So I'm like um oh, definitely yeah. she's some sort of she's she's trying to critique um she's trying to make some vegan stand points point of view honestly it's it's not oh, subtle at all but that, it's also is that how you interpret rented. is that how you interpret from her writing that's what you think. well you should read it and then we can talk about it because that's the that's mm-hmm. the kind of uh political messaging that i am getting from her from her stories i see the way that she describes uh, like i won't ruin it for you but a, the, a lot of those short stories talk about um the use of the human body in the way that we use animal bodies mm-hmm. and like it makes you cringe and i guess her point i i'm taking that her point is like well you know we're just like any other animal like and animals are just like us like we do this every day and we don't cringe you know yeah she writes very um i can't find another word other than grotesque Pardon? Grota- I, I can't oh, I couldn't think of it. Yeah, grotesque oh, about okay. um, human parts. It, it happens with her other Earthlings. Work, Earthling, yeah. I haven't read that yet. Yeah, I think a lot of people's review is uh, are saying that no, I just couldn't continue. Like they couldn't really? fathom a, a female writer writing such. I wouldn't go so much beyond disgusting, but she, her way of writing is very very graphic. Yeah. yeah, I love that though. Mm. I love that. I, I love have a that. sense. Like, I do wonder if she has read um, one of this Chinese writer who is not so much a- ancient, but he's like in the 20s or maybe the 30s uh-huh. before the Cultural Revolution. Mm. Yeah, he wrote about people he- eating human as well. People eating people. Eating people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As in almost as if like our... My interpretation is that if you want to succeed, succeed in life with this um, forward capitalism idea is that you have to step someone beneath you. That's yeah, how yeah, I of interpret course. it. Well, yeah. that's very much what dad has taught us. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Ah, okay, so the news gossip you want to talk about? Go ahead. Yeah, so um, this before we go take a break, and I know we've you know had a really long extended you know cultural consumption segment to, on this episode, but I just wanted to finish off by um, speaking about the Midwinter Ball, which happened this week in Canberra. So the Midwinter Ball is like a charity event full of like uh, basically politicians mm-hmm. in a, the Australian Parliament, alongside mm-hmm. the members of the press gallery, so journos, um, with philanthropic people. Um, basically coming together to wear like fancy gowns and then um, what happens is during the night um, uh, items quote unquote uh, uh, are auctioned off for charity so like mm-hmm. items were like dinner with um, our prime minister oh, okay. dinner like or golf a game of golf with our prime minister or watching a game of uh, rugby league with some senator like all dull things that I, I wouldn't even do if someone paid me let alone and like you, you have know, to auction for <laughs> yeah like apparently a dinner with the teals uh there was like a couple of uh independent mps who who um said that they were happy to do a dinner with someone it went for like eight thousand nine hundred dollars oh my god i'm like wow why so, like i was thinking how do they vet, vet veto these things like what if someone who really hated them or like challenged them ideologically wanted to like have a one-on-one session with them Obviously, they would, like, be selective in who won these, you know, prizes. Yeah. Um, Most but, but likely cont- it would be, like, you've got to consider that who oh, can rich afford. People, yeah. It's ridiculous. All these They're just rich people mingling with rich people, basically. Let's not kid mm. ourselves. Um, but um, what was funny this week was, like, um, a, couple of, uh, se- uh, a couple of women who went to the ball uh, thought that they, they would do an AOC circa – Met Gala 2021. So you remember the AOC um, wore a gown last year to the Met? Text That's the reach. It. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, as always, Australians are like, you know, two years behind anything <laughs> or just followers, basically. We're just basically followers of anything American. And um, there were two women, Senator Hanson Young, Sarah Hanson Young, who's the Green Senator, and mm. also the wife or the partner of Adam Bant and also a green center, they rocked up with uh, white gowns that had like tax, uh, not tax, they had like end coal mining, um, oh, yeah, very gas coal, like there was just like anti coal mining yeah. um, around their dresses. And it looked like literally like the same kind of um, graphics as AOC's. You know, dress was it from like last red? Because I didn't follow this news. Yeah. Is it like red print? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like okay. What's what's the word I'm looking for? It's like um, almost like a copy version of her. Anarchic. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh-huh. It says there's an anarchic energy to the front. Um, but you know, I was just like, this is so. I, I personally just thought this is just like really. Um, a superficial gesture mm. like and also why didn't adam Bant wear a suit that had you know tack like stop coal mining all over him like why did, why yeah, did, why, why did, is it always women do doing these superficial display. gestures yeah honestly like and also like the whole the the whole event was like sponsored by a couple of um by a couple of uh, fossil fuel oh my god um, so, uh, <sighs> companies like mm-hmm. shell woodside energy like it's like what uh, yeah, just Doesn't like a, a, the way that AOC was criticized last year because, you know, to attend the Met, it's like $20,000 a ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's, there she is going like 
tax it just I, honestly it just makes me think um like politicians i just like you you, you pretend yeah, for a show only you pretend to care about stuff right but at the mm. end of the day you're you're inside you're inside um parliament mm-hmm. which means you have a certain way you of working a, yeah and like I'm, it's just i don't know anyone inside politics i'm just like i just turn away from i don't really like i i'm not interested in what they have to say and these, like, I feel like just, you know, the thing that, you know, wearing wearing like po- wearing like something like that, like the dresses that these women did, is just like, what are you, in high school? What are you trying to say? Like, it just, for, for me, it just feels like an empty gesture. Like, that's my personal opinion. It's a very empty gesture. And also, on top of that, why, why are the men not doing this? Why is mm-hmm. it the women? Because women have less power. Because mm-hmm. the men actually have the power. And so, like... Yes. This is my personal opinion, obviously, but it's just like men don't feel like the need to do any kind of like um, that kind of um, activism because I don't know they I, I don't know why they don't do that, but I'm like why 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 are the women doing it? It's just it just feels like an empty gesture. I mean, if you care so much strongly about fossil fuels and all that, I'm pretty sure most of them would know that what kind of company sponsored events like this you yeah. could a bit more like wearing a dress is a bit more demonstrative but real boycotting would be like you write a piece of article saying that questioning why the event is exactly by shell and what's yeah. energy or you boycott it by not attending it yeah there was a wa you senator know? who um who who actually said for that reason he wasn't going to attend because of that yeah and i thought that was a more genuine gesture Mm-hmm. yeah true yeah i agree with that let's take a break and when we come back helen's going to talk about mooncakes and luxury brands okay so we're back tomorrow is a moon uh festival is also called mid autumn's festival well, actually, we, we learn by mid-autumn first. I think yes. Moon Festival is more like a western nice term, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Zhongqiu is mid-autumn. Yeah, so the, ten, the, the day falls on the 10th of September this year according to the lunar calendar, and this week I've been making my own mooncake. Nice. You're so great. <laughs> Since living in like a semi-rural New South Wales. Yeah, semi-rural. <laughs> can't buy anything here so you have to make it yourself yeah and i'm not helen's helen's closest um, asian groceries is two hours drive away <laughs> not that far <laughs> an hour an hour um i'm also not too fond of the cantonese styles of mooncakes i much prefer the flaky taiwanese style agreed yeah so those oh, pastries yeah. are lighter in texture and they're a little similar to croissants for anyone who doesn't know yeah, they have like yeah. layers of pastries and we have azuki bean fillings or taro um mum bean fillings yeah yeah i also i, I had to mention that i love dang huang shu the one with egg yolk is because that's the item that started our our, our father's entrepreneurial career oh really yeah he started selling that as a like a middleman when he like first got married and oh i didn't know that yeah so that's cool. how he started his business yeah so i, I feel like Chinese pastries are very underrated yeah Chinese everything is underrated 
Taiwanese <laughs> women, Taiwanese men, <laughs> Taiwanese movies, Taiwanese food, the country, mm. <clears throat> everything about the, the that that country just that our country just needs like uh, to be on the to be on the list of like top places to 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 mm-hmm. not just to visit but to celebrate. Yeah. So why did I came across with the discussion about mooncakes and luxury brands is that in the past few years I start seeing I think it happened a lot more earlier but only in the past two years when I joined Saddle Asian Trades I start seeing especially just before the time of mid autumn you start seeing some people sharing um, mooncakes uh, photos and some mm. of them in the luxury brands gift box yeah and i started to think that oh i I never know that gucci or hermes or amani does mooncakes and it just doesn't seem it seems a bit jarring as a european brand selling mooncakes the first i thought was selling they were selling mooncakes and we're just i was thinking wow they're gonna charge like extravagant amount of money for the mooncakes it's ridiculous and later i found out that it's actually um, gift boxes that were given to a certain group of clientels right i'm assuming that there's a minimum spending to reach a certain tier of clientele to receive such gift boxes and you have to be asians or you at least you have to be because who else will be eating mooncakes during this time you know who who will be like celebrating Mid Autumn Festival. Like yeah. this is what I assumed. So what are so what are in these gift boxes? Just the mooncakes. Just mooncakes. Oh, but okay. their boxes are so almost intricate. like an art. Yeah, intricate. Yeah. Almost in like a art, an art piece. Yeah. Like I, I just get so many thoughts when I saw this, and I start looking into the reasons behind why these luxury brands have decided to produce mooncakes to give it to their certain group of customers. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think that is? Their biggest luxury brand buyers are still from China. China, yeah. Yeah, so according to some sources, that um, luxury sales in China reach 471 billion yen, which is equivalent to $74.3 billion. And it was an increase of 36% from 2020. And you had... Wow. So the country represents something like 25% of the global market for high-end goods. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, one country taking like 25%. It's very jarring for me because you think about it that the CCP have also, they may say that the governing policy is to take people out of poverty, but in reality, the wealth disparity is very clear. The top 10% of China's population owns over 70% of the total national wealth. Um, It's higher than the 64.6% in India and for Australia, our top 10% of the wealthy people owns 56.2%. So the wealth are very concentrated in the top 10% in China. And I have several perspectives I want to talk about. Firstly is that, I mean, everyone has their own ideas and beliefs about wealth. I just don't understand the ludicrous amount of money people could spend on the luxury item to the point that a 
luxury brand feels inclined to make mooncakes as a gift for these、mm. clientels, and there's an undeniable obsession with European brands by Chinese market. Like I wonder why、yeah. it's like a very stereotype, stereotypical trope of like, oh, Chinese are wealthy. Uh, materialistic goods can improve self-esteem, and it's also a very os, what's the word, ostentatious act of buying powers. You know, and I don't know if you're gonna show your wealth, like how would you show it? Some people would choose not to show it, but、um, just in discussion that I had with my friend the other day,、um, she was walk- walking through the streets in in Sydney Centre. And she was kind of in shock, seeing very young people lining up outside of Louis Vuitton to buy stuff.、Mm. Yeah, and were they all Asians? She said mostly Asians,、mm. and also there. She said in the past, in maybe ten years before, she said the people that she'd seen lining up outside will be about. Maybe forty year old plus is in an older age group, but now she's seeing people who are in their twenties. She just wonder like where does kids nowadays have the money to buy luxury brands? You've I mean, asked in the last five minutes. You've asked a lot of different questions. <laughs> yeah. So like, I guess yeah, it's a really big. It's a really big.、Um, It's a really big topic. Like you,、mm. I guess you 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 kind of mentioned the white worshiping that happens in China. You mentioned、um, wealth acquisition and wealth expansion in China. You mentioned the you know Gen Y and millennials、um, increase in wealth and in both here and in China.、Um, yeah, there's just there's so much、um, there for for us to talk about. But what 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 is your what is your main gripe? I suppose what 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 question do you most want to be able to answer? Well, apart from wealth, I can't really enter. I can't really go into too deep of discussing wealth because everyone's got their choices of how they're spending money. Exactly.、Um, but I want to kind of open the discussion about whether or not it's cultural appropriation having a Western brand making. Mooncakes, even though they're not selling it, but the reason that they can give it to those customer, give to those clientels, is because they've spent enough enough money.、Um, I have a sense that whether or not it's a commercializing through cultural symbols or mooncake, like well, it's know, yeah,、mm. it's very similar to the、um, topic we spoke about earlier this year about、um, Gucci having you know you know during the Chinese New Year, the Lunar New mm, Year, mm.、Um, having you know the the Tiger on a lot of its designs. Yes,、um, I feel like、um, we are post cultural appropriation. I feel like the world since the pandemic, especially, has been so collapsed in itself that、um, there is no there is no one culture anymore. Like there has been so much,、um, there's been so many kind of ties that are made、um, across you know borders across、um, across. You know, countries that、um, any company that sees a place to make money will find any way to play to make money, and it、mm. will be、uh, immune to the term 
cultural appropriation. I feel like we're post-cultural appropriation now. I feel like uh, not not that it no longer exists, just that it's transformed into something that is no longer able to be defined by defined as cultural appropriation. I, I feel like it's just like um, I think at the end of the day, it's just capitalism. It's just like any any place yeah. that will give me, you know, more money is a new market that they will tap into. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But also specifically here, what I, the point I make is that what you mentioned about why worshipping, like I don't see a luxury brand that's... Um, Making um, kangaroo and koala <laughs> bags because Australians... <laughs> So the Australians aren't a big market. We're not, yeah. yeah. That's true. But I don't see Asian, I I don't see, I don't know if anyone could call me out on this, but I don't honestly don't see any Asian brands that's big enough compared to, (coughs) excuse me, the European luxury brands, you know. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's, um, I think there is something about the aristocracy um, and the kind of royal European heritage that that um that a lot of um people outside of european ancestry find very appealing Mm. and i think i i personally just um i personally just bring it back down to whiteness like Mm -hmm. people like white stuff Mm. personally that's that's my opinion like um it's just basically cultural white supremacy and Mm -hmm. having you know white a white brand um is seen as you know like very um you just like i feel like someone who carries a a louis vuitton bag feels like they have acquired something outside of themselves through money it's like a step up in the social ladder i guess i I personally yeah. yeah don't understand it obviously because none of us own anything luxury brand i just like i don't understand it at all so um, but but Same. but uh, I I think it's just um a way to feel better about yourself I guess. It's also a status symbol. Yeah, status symbol. That's you know, all. It you is. you yeah, have you know, to move climbers. into you, when you want to move into a certain social circle. I guess that you have to acquire some sort of luxury brand item. Yeah. To yeah. make you seem that you are accepted or welcome into that kind of social circle. That's mm, what I'm guessing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I do have a luxury brand. <laughs> your daughter? Luxury brand is D-O-G. Oh, your dogs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my oh, wealth. My, my, the most luxury. My wealth are dogs. The, the, my favorite things um, are my books. So they're my mm. luxury things. Yeah. Everyone have different definition to luxury. Yeah. But I just don't see why people will be... Um attracted to something very capitalist based well i don't want to vanity yeah, based, I, I feel I guess, like yeah you know. I, I feel like i don't want to bash on those people they have their reasons very true any final thoughts yeah i guess like um at the end of the day it's uh capitalism <laughs> but yeah. you know any, anything that they can do to um bring in more wealth for their company the bottom line um they will do and you know like you as you correctly observed um, they have managed to find a way to l- lure in and retain their biggest clients and their biggest um, customers, which are the Chinese cohort of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, will do anything such as, you know, make fancy mooncakes uh, 
wrapped in like extraordinarily fancy packaging, which probably cost them like so much money um, in order to just, you know, um, keep their clients, yeah. keep their customers. Marketing strategies. Yeah, that's all it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a dirty world out there, guys. <laughs> Make your own moon case like I so did. Like Helen did. <laughs> it's more fun. It also just shows that I don't have any wealth <laughs> to buy luxury. <laughs> Okay, that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple, and give us a five-star rating. If you would like to support us, what we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under, head to our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week, and we'll chat to you next week. Catch time. you next week, guys. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.